Yeah. 
thousand generations And your family and your children And their children and their children May his favor be upon you For a thousand generations And your family and your children And their children and their children May his presence go before you And behind you and beside you All around you and within you He is with you, he is with you In the morning and the evening And you're coming and you're going And you're weeping and rejoicing He is for you, he is for you
upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turned his face toward you. All right, praise the Lord. Man, isn't God good? Hey, I just want to release this right now because I believe that fear has tried to come against the church, and I just want to break that because I just feel that in this room right now. And you know why? I want to tell you why before I do that, because the devil wants to shut you up, and you better not shut up, especially in this hour. It is time for us to proclaim boldly the name and the hour of the Lord. You better slap your neighbor a high five and say, it's time to open your mouth. It's time to open your mouth in the name of Jesus. You know, because the media would love to shut us down. Facebook would love to shut us down. All the rest would love to shut us down, but you better stand up and be bold in this hour in the name of Jesus. Man, I, I just feel a fire. We got to get lit up again, man. We got to get to where I don't care what my neighbors say about me. I might be a little loud. They might have to call the police on me even a little bit, but I just got to get a little crazy for Jesus because you know what? He's on his way. He's on his way back. Like it or not, here I come, he said. And I, 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 he's coming for a church without spot and without blemish. Somebody better set a timer. I've only got 10 minutes. But but you know what? God is good and he is mighty and you've got the same power living on the inside of you that rose Christ Jesus from the dead. Look at your neighbor and stop. say, stop being so wimpy. Stop being so wimpy in the name of Jesus. God didn't build no wimps. He didn't build no wimps. He built mighty men of fearless valor. It's time to stand up and be who you are, child of God. It's time to not back down. The devil is trying to shut you up, church, and you better not do it. Do not shut up. Do not sit down. Do not back up. Don't take one step back. We are marching hands and we're marching towards the enemy in the name of God. Man, I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. Devil, I hate you. To hell with you and all your ways. You know what? We're just going to keep on going and we're just going to keep on proclaiming that name because you know what? I've seen in my personal life. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen people set free of drug addiction. I've seen people rise up out of the bed. I've seen people, man, Dylan, man, we've been all over this country and all over the place. We've seen miracles. We've seen God move. And ooh, you, you can't tell me now that God isn't God. You can't tell me now that God isn't, you can say it, but I won't believe it. I've already seen too much. You can't convince me now. It's too late, devil. I've already seen God in action. And so, man, I'm excited. Uh, whew. Uh, man, I, I, I'm on fire for God. Uh, because you know what? I believe that time is winding up. I have never seen so much craziness in all my life. Never in my life have I seen the devil unleashed the way he has. And I've never in my life have I seen the church back down the way they have. You better just go ahead and stand up by faith right now. Get, just stand up. Just stand up and say, no more. No more. In the name of Jesus, no more. We are marching and we are taking back the kingdom of God until the, the government of this earth is the government of our God and we will not settle for less. Turn to your neighbor, slap him a big high five and say, I refuse to settle. I will not settle for anything less than God has declared for me and my life. You are here on purpose and you are here on assignment and you are here, Esther, for such a time as this. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't let anybody tell you that the dream God put down in your heart is too big for you. I don't care if you have any money no money. I don't care if you have no connections. I don't care if you don't know one verse. All you know is this one. God is for me. 
He is with me. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never walk out on me. He'll never, he's closer than my next breath. And I know, whoo, when I walk up into Walmart, I'm one of the most powerful things in there. Why? Not because of me, but because of him. I take him with me everywhere I go in church. We got to be so aware of that. We got to be so aware. Whoo, I didn't know I was going to do this. I'm supposed to be talking about my book. Y'all go pick one up. It's a good one. But God is good, man. He's good. He's so good. Let me, can I, can I just testify for just a second? Whew. We started, man, out of a 10 by 10 storage unit with just a heart to serve the Lord. Let me tell you what God can do because there's some people in here that he's been talking to you. He's gave you a, here's what he does. He shows you the mountaintop while you're still in the valley. He shows you a high place while you're still in a low place. <laughs> while you don't have two pennies to rub together, he'll give you a dream that'll blow the mind of the president. And so, but you've got to trust him. You've got to declare it. And you feel ashamed to even tell people, don't you dare be ashamed to speak that thing out into the atmosphere. Listen to this. Our father speaks and stars are born. Our father speaks and planets go into alignment. When you speak, the angels hearken into the word of God. You've got to speak it out of the word. When the word of the Lord comes to you, you've got to speak it out into the atmosphere. And for some of you, the devil's got you so tongue-tied. Let me just tell you right now, Psalm 118, 17, you will not die, but live and declare the good works of the Lord. He has tried to get you to fear for your life and tell you that you're on your way out of here, that it's all over for you, that you ain't going to be here no longer. You're not going to be able to see the destiny God put on your life. The devil, devil, devil. You a liar. Devil is a liar. The devil, just, just stomp on his head for a minute and say, devil, you a liar. You a liar. You know what? He has no power over you. Not one single bit of power does he have over you. You know what he has? He's going to hate me for this. He has one little bag he carries with him, and it's full of lies, and that's all he has. It's a bag of lies and a bag of tricks to try to get you to believe that you are not who he says you are, that you don't have the power God says you have. Oh, my God, I can feel chains hitting the ground right now. You've got to open your eyes, church. Stop believing him when you, and he says you're not enough. Stop believing him when, when he says that you're not going to make it, that the promise of God is not going to come to forth, that God's not going to win this thing. I'm sorry, but I've seen the, the end of the book, and I'm here to tell somebody, slap me a high five. My God, we are the winners. We are the victors. We are the ones that are going to see victory, and I refuse to sit down, and I refuse to shut up in this hour. We are the church. We are more, uh, we are more powerful than Congress. We are more powerful than the Senate. We are more powerful than the President of the United States because I've got the same one and I'll keep on saying it. I've got the same power. His name is Jesus. He lives on the inside of me. Where I go, he's standing with me right now. Everywhere I go, he's with me. So let me tell you this. Don't discount yourself. I grew up as a nothing and a nobody. I didn't have two pennies to rub together. And somehow God sends us, uh, we're moving 50, 75,000 pounds of provision every single month. We started in a 10 by 10 storage unit. And now listen to this. We're moving 18 wheelers. In the past three weeks, we've gotten over 20 18 wheelers of provision to hand out not as, not as just free stuff, but in his name. We are meeting these in his 
his name. If y'all can, put up the website. I want y'all to take out y'all's phone. Put down the website. Uh, you, you can do what you want to with it, but come on a trip with this, man. You have got to get out and see this stuff. We, let me tell you this, and I'll be done. I'll be done. Um, <laughs> we, uh, okay, so we go to these towns all over Kentucky, West Virginia, all over the Appalachian Mountains, and we announce that we're coming with all these 18-wheelers. We're going to give away all this free stuff, but what they don't know is we're getting ready to pack about 1,000, 2,000 people into a school gym and hit them with the word of God. Man, and let me tell you this. People come in. They come in high. They come in drunk. They come in uh, hungover from the night before. They come in all this, but I tell you, you can't even walk through the altar because the tears are flowing and, and, and people are getting saved and delivered and set free. And man, God is on the move. The news would tell you otherwise. Everybody else is telling you otherwise, but I'm here to tell you that God did not stop during this pandemic. And I, here's one other thing I want to say in church. They have just, they've tried to shut us down. They tried to make you even feel bad about being blessed, but I'm tired of saying it. I have been so blessed through this pandemic. I have grown. I have prospered. I ain't shut up and I ain't stopped. If anything, I've, my schedule has gotten even busier and we have done even more. And I was ashamed and I felt bad to say that at first. I was like, people's losing stuff. And, but you know what? My God has kept me. He has prospered me. He has upheld me with his right hand. He is good. And the same God I serve, it's the same God you serve. And just because I'm standing up on here, this little piece of wood right now, doesn't make me anybody better than you. He says, my promises are yes and amen. They're yes and amen. Man, God is so good, you guys. I'm going to meet you back here at this table after church. I want to shake your hand. Get down this website. Come on a trip with us. It's anchor, like a boat anchor ridge.org. And uh, man, you can sponsor a child. You can, uh, you, we're actually, ooh, 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 let me tell you this. And I promise, I promise I'm done. God is good, y'all. Okay, so we're getting ready to open a church up in West Virginia. We just stumbled up on this. Yes. And uh, we are getting ready to break chains of poverty, break chains of addiction. We got a crazy deal on this. Let me tell you, we are buying the building and renovating it for $35,000. Tell me that's not, that includes the renovations. So every book that you get today is going straight to that building. We're going to open and be a beacon of light in that community. And then we're going on to the next town. And um, I've been telling this man, God has been having me. And I know this sounds crazy. Y'all talk about me when I leave, if you want to, but he's been having me pray that a hundred million souls would be saved through the ministries of Anchor Ridge. And I'm starting to believe him. I'm starting to believe him. And I'm starting to believe that we're going to have community centers on every continent. I'm starting to believe that God is bigger than I ever thought that he could be. I'm starting to believe that he's as big as he says he is. Whew. Oh man. Just lift your hands to heaven right now. Say, Lord, be it done unto me your will however big it may seem to me, I know that you are able and I receive everything that you have for me. And I have not received a spirit of fear. I have received a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind in the name of my Lord Jesus, most high that every knee shall bow. Whew. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, man, it's going to be good in here today. But anyway, Greg shared this scripture with me this morning. It's over in Daniel chapter 4. And this is when Nebuchadnezzar basically loses his mind. He's driven crazy. 
And, uh, but he should have remembered in verse 25, it talks about how the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whomever he chooses. Then in verse 26, it talks about how heaven rules. How many of you know, regardless of what we see happening in all these cities, still heaven is reigning and ruling. The Lord's not given up his throne. Now the Antichrist will make his scene, and evil will seek you know, to gain the upper hand. And there'll be times it will almost look like evil is winning. How many of you know that? That's scripture. You can find it all through the scripture. It's just like at the cross. It looked like for a little bit of time that hell had won. But three days later, we know that hell's plans were greatly interrupted. And so it is in this hour and in our day as well. But then over in verse 34, it speaks about the Lord says, and at the time, at the end of the time, now this is Nebuchadnezzar's time when he's going crazy and all this. I think you could put in there, at the end of time, this will also fit. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. We need our understanding from God's perspective. Because if you're just trying to understand from the world's perspective, you are in deep trouble. I would use another word, but that's not appropriate for this hour. But you're in trouble if you can only understand by what the world is trying to want you to understand. There's a greater understanding. And he goes on, he says, For I, my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored Him who lives forever. This is our calling at this moment. Our greatest weapon is what the believers are going to be doing tomorrow in Seattle, Washington. They're going to gather, and I don't know if Antifa's going to show up, but I know the Most High God is going to show up. And he's the one that's ruling. And it says, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Say everlasting. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Now, if he said that in that generation, do you think it stands true in our generation? His kingdom is to generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he does according to his will in the army of heaven. And I'm just telling you that there is an army that is breaking out in the midst of the people of God in this hour. You hadn't seen, that. I'm, the half has not even yet been told. I know the testimony of hell is being written, but there's a greater testimony of heaven. And that book of the wars of the Lord is still being written, and, um, and we're going to get to be part of that grand finale. I like the grand finale, especially when it's a fireworks, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, the, I wait for the grand finale. And then I remember sometimes those fireworks shows, the grand finale, it was like a dud. It would fizzle out. It, well, you mean this is what I've been waiting for. I like what they were doing earlier than what the grand finale, but this one's not going to be a dud. God's got a great plan. I want to show you something, too. Look over in 2 Peter chapter 2. This will fit today when you hear all the things that are happening and you see with your eye the <clears throat> things that are unfolding. I saw this week they... they uh, you know, put all kinds of graffiti on Elvis Presley's home, Graceland. You know, I, I personally, I took that personal because I used to live in Memphis and I used to like Elvis. How many of you used to like Elvis? 
I mean, I was not, you know, an Elvis fanatic. You know, the women in those days, you guys don't know, but the women in those days would shout and scream and faint whenever Elvis walked out on the stage. I never got into anything like that. But, but I liked him. And especially when he sung songs like Amazing Grace, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and, but anyway, over in 2 Peter chapter 2, this is about Lot and how Lot saw all that was happening around him. And it had an effect on him. I mean, if you know, there are times things have an effect on us emotionally. You know, I wish that somehow we could just be super men and women. We're not super men and women. We, we are men and women with a super God who lives inside of us. And that's what makes us different. We're super because of the greater one that's in us. Say, greater is he. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So anyway, look in verse, uh, we'll look in verse 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented this, his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Now you think about if he saw and he heard in his day the wickedness that was happening, how much more in our day do we see and hear? He didn't have the internet. He didn't have 24-hour news, you know, cable news network. He didn't have all these coming to us, sending us, you know, the links to all of these YouTube messages and all these things. All he did was, was see with his own eyes. And it tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. But look at two things that are going to happen. Verse 9, then the Lord knows. Say, the Lord knows. How many of you are glad he knows? I, am, I mean, Lord, I am so thankful you know. You know the end from the beginning. You know how to get us to the end from where we are right now. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Now, the word temptation is really better maybe translated trial. The Lord knows how to deliver you out of the trials of this hour. I mean, if you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. He knows how to deliver us, and the next part of this, part of that verse, and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And so the Lord knows how to deliver one group of people, but he knows how to reserve the unjust for the day of judgment, the day of punishment. How many of you know there's going to be a day of judgment? There's going to be a day that everyone on the face of the earth is going to stand before a holy God. And we're going to give an account for how we lived our life. You and I are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And, you know, that's where, you know, we're judged for our motives. and all. It's also where the rewards are handed out. That we're going to toss at his feet and all these things. But everyone is going to stand before a holy God. And I know they don't like to hear it. But you and I have got to tell them. We've got to let people know that, um, you know, the final one that we stand, we're not going to stand before a political party, thank God. I mean, if you know that. We're not going to stand before a politician. We're not going to stand before a disease. We're not going to stand before COVID one day and, and bow. I'm not going to bow in this day, much less that day. We're going to stand before a holy God. And we're going to give an account. God's going to have the final word. 
I was reading in Proverbs this week, it says, he who troubles his own house, and in this case, America, because there are a lot of troublemakers, he who troubles his own house will inherit the wind. They're going to inherit the wind. Then I looked over in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25. It says, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked will be no more, but the righteous have an everlasting foundation. So there's a wind coming. There's a storm coming. How many of you know the storm's coming? We're not letting you in on anything you don't already know. There are going to be storms. In fact, the Lord said how the wind and the waves and the rain beat against that house. And so we know there are going to come storms. But the righteous, they have an everlasting foundation. So there's going to be winds of retribution. But also there are going to be winds of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm just telling you guys, if you were not here last Sunday, it was pretty amazing. You know, the wind of the Spirit. I didn't feel any wind. How many of you were here last week? Some of you were. There was a wind. The Spirit of God blew in this place, and people were around the altar. And I'm looking for that to happen in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm looking for that to happen today. I'm looking for that to happen all over the country. Yesterday, you know, I've told you about that 95-year-old man. Remember um, Brother Fred Lunsford? You, you heard, some of you hadn't heard about him. He's a 95-year-old man that was ready to die. He's been in ministry for like 70 years. After 70 years of ministry, you're probably ready to give it up and go home. I would think so. And he was ready to go, and the Lord interrupted his little pity party, and he said, no. You are to be praying for a great spiritual awakening in this nation. And then remember, he called a prayer meeting and he invited pastors around the state of North Carolina. I was one of those pastors. And there were going to be around 200 pastors. And then the virus showed up. So they had to cancel that 200 prayer meeting, 200 people, and they had to delay it. But when they finally had the prayer meeting, it was online, and there were over 300,000 people that signed up to be a part of that, of that prayer. Now, he's still praying on that mountain over in Marble, North Carolina. If you don't know where Marble is, then the guy next to you probably don't know where Marble is either. Because you got to, you know, I don't even know the GPS knows, but it did get us there somehow, some way. But anyway, we were praying yesterday with that man and and I'm just telling you, it's a blessing to pray with him. And he's praying with fire. There ain't no way. There's no way revival cannot be not coming. If men like that are praying and, and uh, things are happening, I'm just telling you, I'm, I was encouraged. And uh, so I'm not just saying I'm not discouraged. Because there are going to come some things that's going to tempt you to be a little bit discouraged. But if you get your courage from the Lord... Like David, David encouraged himself in the Lord. You're going to be just fine. Now, I want you to go with me. Let me, let me show you a scripture. Acts chapter 17. This is where I'm going to take off from this morning. But um, I appreciate you guys visiting with us. You know, we don't want anybody to come to Moravian Falls, North Carolina, and leave without some kind of deposit some kind of fire, some kind of unction, some kind of something that's going to spill out wherever you go. Is that okay? Then we're going to believe God for that. 
because um, there are going to be lighthouses all over this nation. How many of you remember Isaiah, when darkness covers the earth, what's going to happen with his people? The glory is going to be poured out over his people. His glory will be seen upon you. So there are going to be places where there will be such a degree of the presence of God that the darkness will almost seem non-existent. And it will be non-existent in those places. Well, we're putting our claim on being one of those places. You know what I'm speaking about. You should be doing that as well. As for me and my house, I don't care if the whole world turns and follows some other God. As for me and my house, I'm going to follow the Lord. And I'm going to see his glory. I'm not going to... Listen, those that follow after him will not walk in darkness. That's what Jesus said. But they'll have the light of life. So you have a different inheritance from the rest of the world. But anyway, Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. And he made... He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him. That means feel, have a passion. It's okay to have a feeling. You know, we should, we're emotional beings. We have a soul. We, we are spirit, we live in a body, but we have a soul, We're, we, uh, our mind, our will, and emotion, so that we should grope for him and do what? Find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, I'm a little bit excited. I get to go to Minneapolis. I shared with some of you guys that were here last week. I totally had forgotten all about this. It just came to my mind and I, had, I went back and started thinking about this again. So I want to share with you to make sure you, you understood what it just kind of came to my mind. But I, some of you will remember Minneapolis, Minnesota is where Billy Graham, his ministry really sprang forth, you know, sprung up into the nation. And in those days, they used to have crusades that they would actually broadcast on prime time in the USA. You know, some of you remember that. NBC, ABC, CBS. I don't know if you'd see that today, but prime time in America on NBC, you would see Billy Graham and they would have the crusade. And I'm, I'm just telling you, my heart was drawn to those crusades. We always watched them anytime Billy Graham was on TV. And they used to have a radio program called The Hour of Decision. How many of you remember that? And how many of you know we're in an hour of decision right now in our nation? But it was broadcast from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, um, you know, I was at the, the Billy Graham Library. It's been a number of years ago. And I saw a letter where, you know, at the end of that program, was it Cliff Barrels would come on. And they would give the address. If anybody wanted to write the ministry, they would say, now you can write us at Billy Graham Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's all the address you need. How many of you remember that? They would say that. You didn't need a post office box. You didn't need a zip code. You just write Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it would get to him. Well, somebody couldn't understand Minneapolis, and so they wrote a letter, Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the letter still got to him. It still got to him. And I saw that letter, and I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking about how you know, it wasn't too long ago 
you know, that out of Minneapolis sprang, you know, corruption and darkness and things spread all over the cities of America, and we know the story. But I'm telling you, there's a different inheritance for that city. And so I'm going to stir it up. I'm going to dig the wells of what used to be there and what God wants to do again. And, but I just pray it's spread all over the nation. I'm believing for stuff like that, and I need you to believe with me in this hour because we, we're the ones that's got to believe. But there's, I know many people would say, well, America's not like it used to be. You know, that was in the 50s and 60s when they, you did all you talked about that in the 70s. But I'm telling you, in some ways, we're still the same. And this scripture, I believe, explains some ways that we're still the same. And I want to just point it out to you. We're going to pray, pray around the altar. Anyone that wants prayer this morning, uh, we're going to pray for people. But, uh, but notice some things, in, beginning with verse 26. First it says, God made and created. He made from one blood all people, all ethnic groups, all nationalities, when I was a little kid in Sunday school, we used to sing that song, red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. Remember that song, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Well, what's changed? Nothing's changed. He loves red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious. In fact, in Christ, there is no red and yellow, black and white. In Christ, took away all of that, there's one blood. One blood. I'm going to go into Minnesota next week, and that's one of the things I'm going to shout out. Hey, folks, there's, he made from all one blood, one race. And that's, now we know the human race, but it's those who are in Christ, Jesus. And now we know there was the first Adam, and we're going to talk about that. But there's a second Adam that kind of does away with the races. And then secondly, he's determined where we would live. He determines our boundaries, our borders. You know, that's where, you know, when I see them wanting to, you know, dissolve the borders, I'm not a fan of that because I see what it says in Acts chapter 17. And I also know what it says in Revelation chapter 13 where really it's a take of what they tried in Genesis, you know, to create some one world government and then at the end of the age, they're going to try to again create a one world government. So they got to level the playing field. They got to bring America down, raise other nations up, whatever. They're trying to work it all out to fit to their agenda. But I remember scriptures like this. And I'm telling you, regardless of the borders, God determined that you and I live where we're living right now. Now, you may be going to move one day. I don't know. Some of you may want to move here. Only come if he sends you. But if he sends you, you need to hurry and get here because we need to get ready for the times. But he determined you would live exactly where you're living right now. How many of you know that? Now, some of you complain about that. I remember when we first moved here, you can ask Shirley. I didn't want to live in Moravian Falls. It wasn't my choice. I'm just going to, now can I be honest? I thought when Rick called, when we spoke that day, we were down in Mississippi. No, we were, we were in Alabama at that time. And I went over to spend time with Rick Joyner. And, you know, I used to work with Morningstar many, many years ago. And I was Rick's ministry assistant. And we left the ministry. And, and uh, I remember I had a dream. And in that dream, I was getting out of a car 
and Rick was the driver, and I had to go be with a group of people, and I remember in the dream, I turned around and said, hey, Rick, we'll see you later. Well, I always wondered when we moved down south, what did that dream mean, see you later? You know what it meant? It meant see you later, because uh, how many years was it? Seven years later, I'm having lunch with him or something, and he invited me to come. But I thought we were going to move to Fort Mill, South Carolina. I, didn't, I had no intentions. I didn't even want to come to Moravian Falls. To me, Moravian Falls was a dump, a little place in the middle of nowhere. Who would want to live in Moravian Falls? But anyway, God wanted us to live in Moravian Falls, so we came. It wasn't too long after we got here, I wanted to leave. I'm just being honest. In fact, I've seen a lot of people move to Moravian Falls, and it's not taking them too long, then they want to leave because of the warfare that's happening, stuff that's going on around here. It's like there's an open heaven, and there is. There's an open heaven wherever you are, wherever you take him, I'm telling you. But anyway, there's something about places. I'm not opposed to that. But I remember telling Shirley, look, Shirley, I just got a call from my friend Mike Godfrey down in Mobile, Alabama, and Mike has offered me a job with his ministry team focus, and I want to go. I'm ready to go. And then Brad McClendon, who was the pastor of this church, just happened to call and said, David, I got a word from the Lord for you. You need to listen to your wife. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, I'm going to listen to my wife. And, uh, you know, how I many of you know that's good advice? That's the best advice anyone could ever give you. You need to listen to your wife, too. You know, I know you do. You've learned. But anyway, I went, and went back to Shirley. Shirley, I think we might need to move. And she said, no, I think God's not done with us here. I don't even think it's begun yet. I don't think we've even started. And I didn't want to hear that. I'm just going to be honest. I did not want to hear that. And I took it to the Lord. And the Lord said what Brad said. You need to listen to your wife. And you need to listen to me. And you need to stay. And so we stayed. And then you're seeing the rest of the story, how God did some amazing things. And I'm standing here because of all of that. And then the next thing, it's really an amazing. God has a way of keeping us where we need to be and leading us where we should be at the right time. How many of you know he's that kind of God? And even if you think you messed up, the, the righteous stumble seven times, but they always do what? They rise again. They get up. And the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. He delights in their ways. Though they fall, they will not be cast down. The Lord upholdeth them. And he's upholding you today. And then the third thing, we were all created to seek him. That's what that scripture says. Verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord. And that's where we are right now as a nation. We have to seek the Lord. Do you know the scripture says, where is it over in Hebrews? It is impossible to come to him except, you know, to please him without faith. And those who come to him must do what? They must believe and that he is a rewarder. Say a rewarder a rewarder of all of those who seek him, who diligently seek him. And that word means to earnestly seek him out. I want to encourage you. We're in a season right now. If you're doing anything 
Seek the Lord. Seek him out. Make an effort. We went to Marble, North Carolina this weekend with a couple pastors to pray, and it took us, you know, it's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive. But we were asking yesterday on the way back, we stopped at a restaurant, and we were looking at each other, and we said, you know, what do you think we've gained? I mean, from coming all this way to pray with Brother Fred and and we all came to the same conclusion. God will honor those that seek him out. I'm not, not seek Fred out, but seek the Lord out. And now that I, I did go to honor Brother Fred, that 95. I went to honor him. I wanted to pray with him. But if you seek God, guess what you're going to end up doing? You're going to find him. And that's the next thing, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope or feel for him and they might find him. Now, here's how I want to, it take me 15 minutes here, I want to wrap it up. What happens when a nation, when a family, when a son, a daughter, when a neighborhood, when a city, when a state, when a nation, whatever nation that would be, what happens when people find the Lord? What do you think happens? I'm going to show you. Can I show you? I wrote down some things I feel like the Lord put in my heart. Number one, when someone finds him, they find mercy. Mercy for their sin. You know, none of us deserve the mercy of the Lord. We deserve judgment. Seattle, what they've been going through, the, the mayor, the governor, you know, turning their back, allowing things to happen. You know, you could just say, well, you guys want it, you deserve it. But God has a, bit, a better plan. So what's he doing? He's going to raise up a couple thousand believers that are going to gather tomorrow, wherever they're going to gather in Seattle, and they're going to start calling on heaven. They're going to start worshiping the Lord, lifting him up, praying over their region. And guess what God's going to do? He's going to hear their prayer. The mercies of God never come to an end. There is mercy. The Bible confirms that. Now, we've all sinned. You know, we would say, well, you guys in Seattle, you've sinned beyond. No, listen. The truth is we've all sinned beyond. We've all broken the laws of God. How many of you know what the word sin means? It means to miss the mark, right? It's like the bow and the arrow, and you release the arrow, and your arrow falls far short of the target. Every single one of us, every city in this nation has missed the mark. We've all missed the target. We're all deserving of judgment. We're all deserving of that. But God has mercy. David said, I've sinned against you. And that's our greatest sin. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against him. I've sinned against you, and against you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You know, people all over this nation, they wake up every morning feeling guilty. You know that. How many of you know that's true? Feel guilty. How many of you deal with it sometimes? Guilt. You don't even know why. God, why am I guilty? What did I do? The truth is, what did I not do? You know what I mean. So we're crying out to God. You know why people feel guilty? Anybody want to take a guess at it? Because we're guilty. We are guilty. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
but we don't have to carry that guilt. 2 Timothy chapter 118, Paul said to Timothy, the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. Either we're going to find mercy from the Lord when we run to him, or our sins eventually are going to find us out. How many of you know that? That's over in Numbers as well, Numbers 32, 23. It says, you can be sure your sin will find you out. How many of you found that to be true? You may hide, you may think you're getting away with it. You know, God's exposing stuff today in an alarming rate. Ministers who I never thought, I never imagined things going on that are going on. The Bible says you can be sure your sin will find you out. And so we'll either let our sin find us out on that day or we'll find the mercy of God and you ain't going to find my sin on that day. You know what I'm talking about. And so there's the mercy of God. And then the next thing when someone finds God, they find his grace. Grace in the sight of the Lord. Grace. Man, I need grace. Grace is what? Unmerited favor. They taught us that well. We know that. It is unmerited. You didn't earn it. There's not one single thing you've ever done that God would give you the grace that he's given you. Except turn to his son in repentance and receive what he's given to you. But there's grace. You know, I was thinking about this Pastor Dana. Remember him? What's his name? Yes, you know, he's been having these dreams, Coverton, having these dreams. And uh, Shirley sent me one yesterday. How many of you saw the latest dream that he had about December and January? Well, you might, you, you might want to pray up before you go and read that, but, but this may be one of the most startling yet. And, uh, you know, I know I've heard what he saw. He saw in this dream the months of September and October and November. And then he saw the Lord with, you know, flipping the calendar. And, well, he saw this again in December and January. And I could just hear, you know, some skeptical people say, you know, he's just getting that from second heaven revelation. And the thought came to me. I was thinking about this. You know, God, I I told the Lord, Lord, I bet you a lot of people are writing that man's dreams off. First of all, they don't even know that kind of a God, that God is God that that is going to bring judgment. How many of you know that? We've not been taught that he's that kind of God. That's why you need the grace of God. But also, they just, you know, they don't understand. And I was just, um, I was thinking about that scripture over in Jeremiah We won't look at it here, but it speaks about how that God spoke to the prophets and he told them what he was going to do. He told them the calamity that was going to come. That's the way prophets have always operated from the beginning of time. The real prophets didn't come along and tell you how wonderful you were and how you didn't need anything. No, they came along to tell you how rotten you were and how God would give you if you just humble yourself, you could get out of your rottenness and find the grace and mercy of God. That's what the real prophets did. So I was rereading that scripture over in Jeremiah. And it spoke about how they, they rejected God. 
They didn't want anything to do with him, and he was going to bring calamity and judgment. But all they had to do was turn back to him. And then that scripture came back to me where sin abounds, what? Grace much more abounds. I'm thankful for that pastor. I'm thankful for those that will tell the truth. The wages of sin is death, period. Now, we repeat that all the time because I want people to hear that. The wages of sin for a nation is death. I don't care what they tell you in the church houses. The wages of sin is death. Jesus said that. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. There's grace, but you have to turn to that grace. You have to receive that grace. You have to find that grace. And then the third thing, when a person, a nation, or an individual finds God, they find rest for their soul. Man, there's a bunch of troubled people right now in America. And we, we see them every day, scared to death. Fear, you can see the fear. You can almost cut it with a knife. You better not get too close to them. Because they might, they might tell you where, you where you need to go, whatever. But you can just see it. And I'm expecting it. When I get to, you know, on that airplane, I don't know. Where they going to be sitting around me? Where they going to be six feet? How's the guy, you know, how are you going to do all this and get in an airplane? I don't know. But anyway, you know, there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of troubled people out there. You know what the Bible says about that? That... You can have rest. Jesus said, come unto me. Here's the, okay, you want to know the great solution. Here it is. Come unto me. That's it. You mean that's all I got to do? Come unto me and I will give you what? Rest. Take upon yourself my burden, my yoke. It is easy. That's it. This is the solution to the problem. I know the politicians think they can fix it. You ain't going to fix this problem. I don't care. I'm, I'm all for you. I'm all for you. I'm going to vote. You guys better vote. You know when you walk into that voting booth, you know who's looking over your shoulder? I'm telling you, this vote's going to matter in heaven. Because who you vote is what you approve of. So you better know what they stand for. Can I just be honest? Remember Ephesians? Not only those who approve of those things will, are worthy of the wrath of God, or those that do those things, but those who approve. Your vote is your approval. You better know what they stand for. If you vote for someone that's pro-abortion, you better make sure you are in agreement and that you would accept, you just, just tell God in advance. Say, God, I'm for abortion. Period. I don't care what you say, I'm for it. Because when you vote, that's what you're doing. Now, you still love me, don't you? I'm, I'm remembering what Josh told us this morning. Don't back up. I ain't backing up. I don't care who they are. You vote for someone that approves of abortion, you approve of abortion before Almighty God. Same thing. If someone murders somebody, and you're there, and you're in approval, and you're, maybe you're just the driver of the car. You're enabling them. You put them in office. You're enabling them. You're just the driver of the car when they rob the bank. Guess what you're going to be charged with? Bank robbery. Murder. Same thing. Somebody needs to be telling America this kind of stuff. But I said all that to say the politicians ain't going to fix this mess we're in. I only know one that's going to fix it. 
If America comes back to Jesus, things are going to get straightened out, I'm telling you. The answer is Jesus. And that's what I'm going to keep shouting as loud as I can. I'm going to tell them the other step too, but I'm going to end it with him. And then when someone finds the Lord, they find life. And there's so many scriptures about that. We could go on. You remember what Jesus said in John 10.10? Anybody got to remember John 10.10? The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So he came to give us eternal life and abundant life. You mean you can have abundant life in the midst of this pandemic? You can have abundant life. You can have life worth living. Listen, it's not the world that gives us life worth living. Jesus said, I'll give you all things. The scripture says, I give you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so we can have an abundant life. You can have an abundant life sitting in the middle of a jail cell if that's where you end up in the days to come. How many of you know that? If you have Jesus, guess what? We're going to get, our faith is going to be tested. Because some of us used to sing that old song. Christ is all I need. Remember that? Christ is all I need. All that I need. Remember that? Christ is all I need. Well, guess what? We may have the opportunity to prove we meant what we sung. Because Christ is all you need. What did he say? He said, The Gentiles, you know, they're going to be seeking after. You seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, what? Shall be added unto you. Now, did he say that or was he joking? He's saying it. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Okay, so when a nation finds God, they find life couple more things when a, when a nation or a city or an individual or a person find God. You know what they find? They find what's been missing, what they've been looking for all their lives. I believe it. I've heard it all my life, but I believe it to this day that God created every one of us with something missing on the inside. It's like there's a void. There's a vacuum. There's something missing. You can't find it. Remember that song we used to sing in the old days. You know, maybe your days are still those days. But that song was, I still can't find what I'm looking for. Who sung that? The U2. Remember that? I I'm just have to confess, I still like the tone of that song. I don't know what he's singing about. But I understand you still, so many people have not still, they hadn't found what they're looking for. And you know, Shirley's been reading this book. What's this guy, Frank Turek? It's an amazing book. On It takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a believer. If you understand the universe and you understand creation, I'm telling you, you know, it's, there's some amazing things about the universe. And she was reading stuff off to me this morning. If things were just slightly off, in the earth's axis and slightly. She even says something about the number of times lightning strikes the earth. It's the exact number of times needed to create the, nit the nitrogen in the soil. I mean, this God that created the heavens and the earth is, 
I'm telling you, he kind of went over the top. He's doing things way beyond what you and I can imagine. It really, if you understand, it takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a believer. But anyway, I was thinking about that. You know, they've been looking for the missing link. We found the missing link. The missing link is Jesus. That's it. I don't know. It ain't nothing else. You find some monkey somewhere in a hole. I don't know. You might dig him up. But anyway, Jesus is the missing link. He's what we've been looking for. That's it. You want to tell people, say, man, I just can't find what I'm looking for. I just know there's something missing. Well, guess what? I have the answer. And you know what that answer is. And then the last thing, when somebody finds him, they turn to him. They find the one that had been looking for them all their lives. They just were not aware of it. God's looking for us. Now, I won't go into detail. There's a lot of scriptures. But remember in Genesis and Eve listened to the serpent. And then she gave to her husband, Adam. They both ate. They both sinned. Adam, was he's the first Adam. And through one man's sin, disobedient sin came to all. You know that through we're all born. And then, but the second Adam, through one man's obedience, all will be made, what? Righteous. Remember, that's in Romans. Through Jesus, his death on the cross, all are made righteous. But you remember Adam, after he sinned, he and his wife, what did they do? They went, they knew they were naked. So they went and picked up some fig leaves, whatever, you know, and tried to cover themselves. And you remember what God did. He asked a question. He said, Adam, where are you, Adam? He probably said it in a little deeper voice than that. Adam, you know. Probably not the way they said he speaks in seminary. You know, some of those guys, when they preached in seminary, they would get up there and they'd say, God. I'd look around. Who is he, who is he talking to? You know, what? God. Oh, that's how you call him. That's what you name him, you know, so, so I tried, for a little while, I'd pray like that. Dear God. <laughs> he laughed my, you know, anyway. It had nothing to do with how you pronounce his. But he was, at, he was crying out, Adam, Adam, where are you? I'm telling you right now, God's crying out. His voice is crying out all over this nation for the sons and the daughters, the 99. He leaves the 99. He's going after the one. The one that needs and the one that's strayed. And he's calling, where are you, my son and my daughter? He's still calling. And when, the, when we find him, we find the one that's been looking for us all of our lives. Man, that promise in that scripture is, not only would you grope for him, but with the hope that you might, what? Find him. I'm not giving up. I don't care how dark it gets. There's a nation in my book, at least a big part of that nation's going to find him. And if I just heard Josh, he'd be for 100 million souls. I'm believing for 200 million souls, young man. Let me tell you, you ain't going to outdo me. I'm believing. And that guy, Pete Sulek, that's coming in, he's believing for multi-millions of souls because God promised him that. There's people like that all over the country that God has spoken to. He put it on their heart to ask him for big things that only God can do because God wants to do it to show himself strong in this hour, that he's God. 
So, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning, God. I thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise of Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. Lord, I thank you that your word is as true today as when it was written. Lord, thank you that Jesus still is the way. He still is the truth. He still is the life. And he's the one. He said, no man will come to the Father but by me. And I thank you, God, that that which America most needs to hear in this hour is not how rotten we are. We are rotten to the core. We've all missed the mark. Sin. And the wages of sin is death. But we thank you that's not the end of the story. There's mercy. There's grace. There's rest for your soul. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I thank you, God, that the rest is found in Jesus. And God, I just pray right now in this room, I pray, God, over the Internet, anyone watching or maybe they'll watch this message, days to come, months to come. Lord, I thank you for the big net that's being cast out into the sea of humanity in this hour. That God is calling. For God so loves the world. He so loves America. He so loves India, Korea, China, Brazil, Cuba, Spain, Puerto Rico. He loves every nation, every tribe. And God, I thank you there's a remedy For the greatest sin, the greatest plague, it's not the coronavirus, it's the plague of sin. And there's an answer. And I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. The shed blood. There's one blood that you made humanity. And we come under the blood, in the blood, to receive salvation. But it's the blood, the blood. And I just pray, God, you save our nation, God. You'd save our sons. I save our daughters, our grandchildren, our cities. I pray, God, I don't know, God, if what that pastor is saying is all true. Sure sounds like it if I read the Bible. But I thank you there's a way. There's repentance. You said, if my people which are called by my name and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear. Then will I forgive. Then I will heal their land. And God, I thank you for all the prayer movements. Jonathan Kahn, thank you, God, for what he's doing. Thank you for Franklin Graham. Thank you for Jonathan Fritz and the 10 days emphasis God, I thank you for all the ministries. God, I thank you for this little group that's called this gathering in Minneapolis. And let me be a part. I thank you for this worship and prayer gathering that'll take place in Seattle tomorrow. And God, all the things we don't even know about that's happening all over the land for the vision that you've given Josh Paul and so many people like him that are just exploding with vision and purpose and the word of the Lord for this hour and I thank you God that you saved the best for last the best wine for the last of the last we love you Lord we love you and we believe you God 
Thank you for that 95-year-old man that's still praying up on that mountain for a spiritual awakening in America. Now, thank you for those that came yesterday from Ohio and Illinois and places. They come from all over the world to pray. Thank you for prayer mountains. Thank you, God, for churches that are lighthouses all over the land. They've not shut down their services. They've risen up in this hour. And they're not going to back up. They're not going to back off. But I thank you most of all. Your son didn't back off. He went all the way. He gave it all because of the joy that was set before him. So this morning, just with our eyes closed, heads bowed, and if you're watching, if you're in this room, you say, I don't know if I know Jesus. But I want to know that I know that I'm saved, that I'm going to heaven. I want this mercy. I want this grace. I want that rest in my soul. I want to find what I've been looking for. And I want to find the one that's been looking for me all my life. I want to come home. I want to know him. Is that anybody in this room who say, I want you to pray for me? Just raise your hand. Anybody you say, I don't know if I know him. I want you to pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to know that I know Jesus. Is anybody? Anybody say, well, I'm not as close to him as I used to be, but I sure want to come back this morning. I want the fire of God in my life. I want to be on fire for him. Just raise your hand. God bless you. Others, we're going to pray for that. He's going to send fresh fire.